Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, welcome into the Hoisty Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo. We are talking a little bit of everything on today's show. We got a huge women's basketball victory as Kim McNeil's squad has now won 20 games, the 10th 20-win season in program history. We're going to talk about the men's basketball team welcoming the number one ranked Houston Cougars to town on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. We've got baseball. UNC is rolling into town, at least scheduled to play Friday and Saturday. I think, obviously, the Friday game will go on as scheduled. We'll see about Saturday. We've got softball going on, other sports as well. So, a lot happening on campus. Of course, the marquee game will be the Houston basketball game, but we'll also talk about the Pirate baseball team as well, welcoming the uh, UNC Tar Heels to town with a third game scheduled at UNC on Sunday. And we'll, we'll I've got a few texts out as we record on Thursday at 1.40. We are live on YouTube, Facebook. If you got any comments, questions, feel free to drop those in the comments section. I'll get to them shortly. We're going to play some, some audio from Mike Schwartz. We were out of practice earlier today to preview the number one matchup against Houston. But, guys, we got to start with women's basketball. This team, I, I've now covered two of their games, been watching a lot of them on TV, got out to – Midgey's Coliseum last night and Kim McNeil's squad in year four taking on Houston, really a battle for second place. And now ECU has not finalized second place quite yet, but has a stranglehold on it with one regular season game remaining for them. Just an incredible game. And I've seen a lot of men's action inside Midgey's Coliseum. And honestly, last night was one of the best games I've covered, period. Uh, The Pirate Ladies pulling out a – 88-83 triple overtime victory. The crowd was good. The fans who were there were into it. The Pirates improved to 20-9 overall, 11-4 in American Athletic Conference play. One of the, the, honestly, the best basketball games I've seen in Menji's Coliseum. ECU was down 12 with around six minutes left, rallied back. Somehow, some way, they've done it all year. They ended up forcing overtime, almost won it in regulation on an insane inbounds play. 
Danae McNeil couldn't get the layup to go. But McNeil, who's led ECU all year in scoring, scores 34 points, a career high. Amaya Joyner, the Farmville Central native, uh, with 15 rebounds and 14 points. Even not playing her best game, she still got another double-double. Uh, just an awesome game, awesome moment for Kim McNeil. And uh, we'll play some post-game audio here in a second. But if you haven't watched this women's basketball team, guys, uh, I can't recommend it enough. Obviously, they're, they're done as far as home games. There is a chance they could host a WNIT contest uh, later in March. The ultimate goal is to win the automatic bid for the, the big dance. Uh, it would be a, quite an achievement. The problem is South Florida's at the top of the league. They are a juggernaut, not quite to the level of what UConn had been before they left the American Athletic Conference, but still a very, very good basketball team that's going to be tough to beat on a neutral court. But ECU has assured itself at least the number three seed, which means they're going to be on the opposite side of the bracket of South Florida in the conference tournament. They're going to have a first-round bye. So regardless of what happens in the finale at Tulane on Saturday for the women, they're going to have a first-round bye, and they're going to be three wins away from making the big dance so they can pull that off in uh, in Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas in a couple weeks. So let's get to some of this audio. Kim McNeil, post-game. Here it is. She's alongside uh, two players, Danae McNeil and Isis Adams, who had a huge game off the bench with 10 rebounds and six clutch points. So here's that audio, and then we'll come back and talk about the men's uh, team hosting Houston, but the Pirate women get it done, 88-83, and here is Kim McNeil after the game. Uh, what a game. <laughs> what a game. Have we have we ever had a game like that in Menjis? I'm pretty sure not for women's basketball, but, you know, that was a hard-fought game by two really good teams, um, two good teams that, you know, battled to the end, um, but I, I can't tell you, you know, how proud I am uh, of our team, um, just how far we've come, um, our no-quit mentality. You know, we were down by 12 in the fourth quarter, came and battled back. Um, just the way they ed- executed some plays, how we never stopped defending defensively. You know, had some people coming and made some key minutes for us. Isis Adams, the minutes that she gave us, uh, we wouldn't have been able to win the game without those minutes. But um, just just super proud of this program. Um, happy for ECU Athletics. Happy for Pirate Nation. Um, you know, I just – words can't express – how happy I am right now and how excited I am for this program. For a game where, you know, coming in, it had a lot of implications to seeding, to maybe even wanting to prove yourselves a little bit too. Um, I mean, what does it say just about the way you guys found a way to come back when a lot of things weren't going your way, you know, especially early on? You know, I said at the beginning of the year that this team had a chance to be special. I don't think people really believed us. Um, Obviously, they voted us 11th in the league, so obviously they didn't believe us. Um, But, you know, I told them in the locker room in there, you know, we, we've been hard on them from day one. You know, even when we started going on this streak and playing well, you know, as a coaching staff, we never took our foot off the gas. And this is why, for moments like this, to make them tougher, to be able to finish, you know, win three over, you know, to go into triple overtime and to be able to win it, that, that's a toughness factor. You know, it comes down to, to who's willing to win the game. Everybody's tired. Legs are tired. But, you know, this is why we go hard. This is why we stay on them so much to be able to pull out a game like this. Just the way you guys play it, too, is so full of energy. And to go 55 minutes and a lot like Danae and Micah not even coming off the floor for most of it, just to have that. Um, I'm sure it's difficult, but, I mean, is this something you guys have prepared for, too? Just to, to Yeah, we kept saying in time, this is what we're built for. 
You know, this is this is how practices are. We don't sit in the half court a whole lot in practice. We get up and down. You know, even after a day, we won't do it tomorrow. But even after a Wednesday and we have a game on Thursday and we practice on Thursday, we still go hard. You know, it might not go as long, but we still go hard just so that in moments like this, we're able to push through. You know, our conditioning factor, conditioning is really good. Our toughness factor right now is in a really good place. And, you know, we just had, you know, I thought the first half we did a really good job of executing their man press. You know, we worked on some things and really attacked them and got some scores over the top with Danae. Um, You know, I think they had to switch their defenses several times. And I remember listening to their game against South Florida, and he said he has eight presses. If he has to go to the fourth press, then that means they're doing something wrong. I think they had to go to their fourth press tonight. Danae, with your accomplishing some of these comebacks, it's pretty unreal. Where does that belief come from for you guys? Um, it comes from our coaches. They definitely instill that confidence in us and also in practices. Our practices are harder than the games for sure. Like, we just get after it, like, nonstop. <laughs> It means a lot. Um, the trust that the coaches and the team had in all of us just to be in that moment and really go out and give our all was just it's a great moment to be in. And being on top at the end of the moment is just makes it all better. You know, Isis, you've been you've been coming on recently and like you feel like just this season you've sort of been even mentally preparing just for an opportunity like this to I mean, you had a really good game today and played a ton of minutes as well. Um, preparation is key and always being prepared for the moment. And I strongly believe in that, and the coaches strongly instill that in practice. So just, when the moment shows itself, you have to come. And I believe everyone came tonight. She, she had played a whole lot, you know, and what you saw in her tonight is something that we've been trying to get out of her every day because she can do it. You know, it's just her being consistent. But the one thing I'll say in Isis's favor is that, you know, she hadn't played a whole lot, but she still has been practicing really, really hard. You know, she hasn't, you know, quit on us. You know, she hasn't get given up. Um, so that is what gave us confidence to be able to put her in the game tonight. And I tell them all the time, like, you build confidence in your staff in practice. If I see you pouting and when I said that on Monday, I'm looking for kids that are going to, you know, practice really hard these next two days because this is going to be a tough game. And we need tough kids to be in there. How often do you, like Danae, you know, I think it happened a bunch where Amaya would just chuck that thing all the way down the board. Like, do you, how often do you guys practice that? And do you, do you know she has an arm like that, too, to, you know? Um, we do practice it, but I tell her to throw it. I'm going to go get it. I'm always going to go catch it. <laughs> that play, was either at the end of regulation with first overtime, uh, cross-court passing. You got a great look. Just, is that one, I guess you won the game, so it's not as big of a deal, but just, Take us through that play, uh, how exciting that was. I mean, you ended up missing the shot. Um, it hurt a little bit, but I just had to get over it, and we just had to keep going, keep going after them. Just had to get over it. Next play Throw mentality. That's yeah. what we've talked about the last two days. Told them we're not going to be perfect. You know, they're going to make you play fast. They're gonna, we're going to turn the ball over a little bit, but we have to have the next play mentality because if we allow – one possession or one turnover, you know, to, we're sulking and we're hang our heads in it. You know, it stacks up two, three, four. You know, so we we had to have that next play mentality all game long. Does that can you just touch on the just the emotions of playing in overtime, playing in front of you guys had a great you know crowd tonight, and I could hear them. I'm sure you guys <laughs> just kind of the whole aspect of playing overtime, double overtime, triple overtime. Um, it's a lot of emotions, but just like our coaches said, we can't get too high and we can't get too low. We have to stay level-headed and just play our game, focus on us. How, how are you guys able to do that, I guess, in, in the moment? 
<laughs> Houston has a lot of similarities, I feel like, with you guys, just the way they play defense and, you know, there's a lot of energy. Does that, just the way you guys play, do you think that helped at all, just kind of facing a, a similar team in that aspect? I think a little bit. You know, their, their philosophy is a little bit different. You know, they're strictly man-to-man where we're more of a matchup. Um, they full-court press a little bit more than we do this year, um, but we do see it every day in practice, and we have an unbelievable practice uh a group of guys that practice with us every single day and they go at us they go at these guys and they're athletic and they're big and they're strong and you know we 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 can't guard them in practice but we're like if we can just guard them just a little bit then we're able to you know be able to go against our opponents but they they definitely get us prepared coach 20 wins i know y'all still have unfinished business but when you hear 21 season what was that mean to you <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't i mean <clears throat> Just what we've gone through the last three years, you know, just building this program. I know there was a lot of doubt, you know, in Pirate Nation, whether or not we could get it done or not. Um, you know, just going through everything we've gone through with uh, first year having seven or eight players at times, you know, COVID hits, then the portal hits, we lose, you know, two good players every year. You know, we've, we've we had that storm over over us, you know, but we've gotten through that storm and the sun is out. I knew this morning when I woke up and the sun was bright and shiny, I knew it was going to be a good day. All right, there you have it. Kim McNeil for the victorious East Carolina Pirates. They again go to 20 and 8 on the season, 11 4. In conference play, you could kind of hear the emotion there in her voice. Uh, special, special win last night. Of course, unfinished business. They still want to make, if possible, the NCAA tournament. They still want to get win for 21 this Saturday, 3 p.m. at Tulane, the season finale. They, again, need either that win to secure the number two seed or they need one Memphis loss in Memphis's final two games to secure the number two spot heading to Fort Worth. Then they'll have some time off before playing on Tuesday, March 7th. Again, they'll have that first round bye. So, lots to look forward to with women's basketball. This this whole starting lineup could be back next year, depending on what happens. They got more top recruits coming in. So, uh, definitely, if you haven't been paying attention to Kim McNeil's squad, start paying attention. As uh, we got a few comments, uh, Dan Rosenblum and Scott Lorbacher, our good friend, uh, props to McNeil. And also extend Coach Kim. Yeah, Coach Kim McNeil signed a five-year contract. She is wrapping up year four. I don't think there's any doubt as of right now she deserves an extension. And going into next year, expect that to happen. Of course, we'll continue to monitor that situation. If you got any comments, questions, uh, concerns, drop them in our comment section. We'll get to them throughout the show. Let's switch gears now. Talk some men's hoops. The Pirates are going to host the number one team in the country for the first time ever. Saturday night, 8 o'clock, ESPN2 is the broadcast. 8 o'clock, the tip time, so Minji's after dark. We've seen some crazy things happen to Minji's. This would be something that would top them all. The Pirates have never hosted the number one team in America. There are some old pirates who will say South Carolina back in the day was number one, and they were, I believe, number one when they came to town via maybe one poll, but it was not the Associated Press poll, which is the official poll college basketball recognizes. This is the first time ever a number one team in the AP poll being Houston 
will roll into Midgey's Coliseum. I think right now they're expecting a big crowd of at least 6,000. Hopefully that number continues to trend upwards. Again, this ECU team needs all the support it can get. Mike Schwartz in his first year, I think in many ways, has I, th- I think it surpassed expectations. Uh, you know, if you had ECU going 500, they're kind of right around that mark. They're going to be underdogs realistically in these last four regular season games. So, you know, they're going to have to steal a few more wins to finish 500. But overall, especially losing Javon Small, I think this team has found a way to surpass expectations. Tuesday night game at uh, at Tulsa was not pretty, but they found a way to win. And we all know that any road win in American play, no matter what the opponent's name is, no matter how bad they are, uh, cherish that for sure. Uh, Dan asked, what are the ticket sales looking like right now? Uh, percentage, capacity. Yeah, so um, like you said, impeccable timing there. Uh, I've heard 6,000 or so, and that was as of yesterday. So I'm not sure. Maybe as we get closer to tip off, we'll get more of a uh, a surge, so to speak. As we get a little bit closer, I think, you know, that it, it kind of lined up perfectly with the two o'clock start for ECU baseball and the eight o'clock start for basketball. You, you, you know, ideally, if the weather would have been nice, you go to the baseball game, enjoy a Pirate W, go get some dinner and then roll back over to Menji's Coliseum. I don't know what the status is. Again, this is Thursday at 1.57 p.m. If you're listening to our audio version of the Hoist of Colors podcast, but you know, we're still waiting on the official word of what they're going to do. I've heard they might move first pitch up to avoid the rain. I've heard they might just bang it all together and try and find a midweek date later in the year. I get the vibe. Neither team really wants to do a Friday doubleheader. ECU would potentially lose some revenue there um, as far as, you know, the crowd, because if if you have a doubleheader, you kind of have to basically count one game is two or two games is one. So I think they want to try and play separate days and and get that uh, gate revenue if possible. So all these things, along with the weather forecast, along with player health, and UNC's already played two games this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. So there's a lot of factors that might keep you from playing a Friday doubleheader, even though that may seem the most obvious thing on paper with the way the weather looks heading into Friday. You know, you would hate to lose a – primetime Saturday opportunity, but I, I just don't know where that game is going to be. Anyways, back to the task at hand. We'll continue to monitor that situation. Maybe we'll have an announcement by the end of the day. Maybe not. I've got a few texts out waiting on some responses there, but I think the crowd will be good. I've talked to several people who are fringe ECU basketball fans or who are fans of other teams that are going just because the number one team in the country, the Houston Cougars, are rolling into town. Obviously, East Carolina's coming off victory. I think the fan base is very happy with kind of where this program is right now. I think they'll they'll get a lot of support from the Pirate Nation. Then you'll have the casual local fan that shows up to kind of see what Houston's all about and maybe to see uh, see what the home team, if you live in the area and you're not really, a, for whatever reason, the ECU basketball fan, you show up, the Pirates play well, maybe you start cheering for the home Pirates or become a ECU basketball fan. So a big opportunity here. I have not seen a line yet. You know, we're two days out. I don't think we'll see one until Friday. I would expect Houston to be close to a a 20-point favorite, Um, you know, maybe high teens. Guys, this team is is unreal. If you haven't had a chance to watch the Houston Cougars, I mean, they are always elite defensively, but they're also averaging 76 points per game. So, like, they, they don't give up points, and they score a lot of points. 
I mean, that's why they're the number one team in the country. They can shoot. They can uh, play tremendous defense. They get to the free throw line. They rebound like crazy. They're always known for the rebounding. That's kind of what Kelvin Sampson kind of first built his, uh, you know, his program on was toughness, rebounding, that sort of stuff. And, and they they always just rebound at a high level. Marcus Sasser, their leading scorer, 16 and a half per game. Uh, Darius Walker, the standout freshman, who's been named freshman of the week almost as many times as Amaya Joyner on the women's side. Uh, so, uh, you know, Jawan Roberts is a beast. Jawan Mark, Jamal Shedd. I mean, they have several future NBA guys. They're big-time talent. Uh, they have not lost on the road this season. They're 9-0 away from home. They're 2-0 on neutral sites. Let's run through some of these road scores, guys. I mean, they have just – these games have not even been close, to be honest. At Oregon – Back on November 20th, they by 10. They went to number two, Virginia. They won by eight in pretty dominant fashion. They won by 39 at Tulsa. They won by 13 at Cincinnati. They won by 20 at Tulane. They won by 11 at UCF. They won by nine at Wichita State. So Wichita State and Virginia are the only two road games they haven't won by double digits. They won at 16 at Temple. Uh, to get revenge on the home loss to the Owls, they won by 15 at SMU in their most recent road game. So seven of their true uh, nine road games, they've won by double digits. ECU has a major, major task in front of it this uh, this Saturday. But, hey, that's why they lace them up. That's why they play the game. Mr. Juan Worlds uh, has a question. Does the conference – keep Houston's tournament credits from this year. He's asking in terms of how much money they make from the uh the big dance. Yeah. So Houston is in they're in the American Athletic Conference through, you know, I think June or July or whatever the official date is. So everything Houston accomplishes will technically be with the American Athletic Conference through uh the end of this season. So the American will keep the money uh that is split, you know, however many ways across the conference. Of course Houston gets some of that back because they're the ones that that's going to end up doing it. And I think the American ends up tearing some of the money uh, that they end up getting. So, uh, but yeah, the, the conference will get the money, not the big 12. So this is the last time you'll probably see Houston uh, outside of, of baseball, I guess, roll into uh, to Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, so big opportunity on Saturday night. If you don't have your tickets yet, I just, I would recommend, Buying them now, showing up, seeing what can happen. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll all see history. All right, we caught up with Mike Schwartz earlier today and uh, kind of got an update on coming back from a two-game road trip. These guys have been on the road now three, four days, just got back into town. They've also been out recruiting. So uh, some tired legs. They got a little bit of time off yesterday, now back at it today practicing preparing for the Cougars we caught up with Mike Schwartz he also gave us an update an injury update on Javon Small who has not played since January 11th due to a knee injury he's ECU's leading scorer and former starting point guard though Jaden Walker has been playing amazing lately so let's get to that Mike Schwartz audio he previews the Houston Cougars uh, earlier today uh, prior to practice okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, home. It was a long road trip, um, you know, back-to-back games, and uh, disappointed with how we played, um, you know, on Sunday versus SMU. Uh, fortunate that we were able to bounce back and get a road win uh, versus Tulsa on Tuesday night. And uh, obviously just an incredible challenge for us with, uh, you know, the number one team in the country coming in here on Saturday. Just what stands out about Houston, I mean, I'm sure just about everything does when you watch them, what catches your attention the most? As you said, everything. Uh, I just have so much respect for Coach Sampson, their staff, their players, uh, the way they play. Um, you know, we, we could sit here and talk the whole the whole time about what they do well. Uh, but, again, obviously just a dynamic team with as good of a backcourt as there is in the country uh, with Shed and Sasser on the front line with, with Walker and Roberts. So, uh, just very dynamic team, uh, you know, as good of a defensive team as there is in the country, and as much credit as they get defense and rebounding, this is a team that is scoring, uh, you know, over 75 points a game in conference play. Uh, so a very strong offensive team that really can beat you every which way, and then are talented all across the board. This is what you do it for, right? A chance to play the best team in the country. Well, I think you do it for a lot of reasons. This is, um, you know, you can't predict when or if these kind of scenarios are going to happen. I mean, this conference is so strong. And um, so every night, uh, you know, you got to try and look at it like every game you have to feel like. To, to have a chance to win in the American Conference, every single time you step on the court in Minji's or on the road, your mindset better be you're playing against the best team in the country. And it doesn't matter who it is. And it just so happens right now, this literally is the best team in the country. How excited are you for this opportunity to play at home in front of your home crowd against a team that obviously people know is as legit as it gets? Yeah, I think the exciting part about that is the atmosphere that uh, we hopefully will have in here on Saturday night. Uh, you know, I think this fan base is the best in the country. I think it's been awesome. It has helped us win games in this building. And I think it's exciting for Greenville, ECU, Everybody, Pirate Nation, to know that Saturday night's going to be a great atmosphere in there. Uh, you know, because it's just been fantastic all year long. And this is a, you know, I believe this is the first time ever the number one team in the country in terms of ranking has come into this building. So I expect it to be an awesome atmosphere. How much can you guys feed off that, especially defensively? It just seems like late in games when the crowd's gotten into it, that's kind of changed things. And hopefully from the start, that can maybe be a case for you guys to start it. Yeah, you know, you talk about that. I think that's what home court advantage is across the country. And it doesn't matter if you're at Houston or you're here or anywhere else in this league, conference, non-conference. Home court advantage is what makes college athletics special, the atmosphere, I should say. That being said, that's not going to be the reason why we have a chance to compete. That's what we want to go. We want to fight. We want to compete. We want to give ourselves a chance, uh, you know, to, you know, in the ball game, of course, as we do every game. And that is a definite added bonus in the energy that it can bring. But for it to be a factor, we have to do our part. And that is, that's, you know, plain as it gets. For, for the home court or the fans to be a factor in the game energy-wise, 
you know, we have to give ourselves a chance and give them a reason, uh, you know, to, to be in the game like that, especially late game. Tulsa game, first half, you had a ton of open shots, just didn't go down. You know, how good was it to maybe still find a way to win when y'all didn't play maybe y'all's best? Yeah, we said that, you know, it wasn't a pretty win, but, you know, I don't know. A road win is a road win, and it, it's not about how it looks sometimes, and we knew that. We, we, we really chart our shot quality a lot of times, and we were not pleased with the shots that we were taking versus SMU on Sunday. We thought we had some uncharacteristic plays. 19 turnovers, I mean, you don't give yourself a chance on the road to win with 19 turnovers. Versus Tulsa on Tuesday night, we really liked the shots that we were getting. I mean, a lot of them were uncontested or they were shots that we were good with, but they weren't going in. And we've sat here and spoken many times that you just sometimes can't bank on making shots in terms of is that what's going to allow you to play the right way. Um, you know, we were on a four-day road trip. We had had a long bus ride. We had got there. We had been in Tulsa for two days on the back-to-back -back, uh, road games. So th they didn't go in in the first half, but they st our guys stayed with it. Defense was going to be what gave us a chance. I thought defensively both halves we played strong. And late game, guys made some shots. Jaden Walker was fantastic all game long. Brandon makes the big shot late. But the guy that changed the game flat out was David Kasanga and I with his defense. His energy, his defense, what he did on that side of the ball gave us even the chance to do what we did at the end of the game. Houston does force a lot of turnovers, and you mentioned a lot against SMU, but what is your faith like in your backcourt after playing a game like Tulsa where they you know, showed a lot more maturity heading into this game against Houston? Yeah, you know, we, 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 we've been so on both ends of the spectrum. Some, you know, We've had games in conference where we turned it over 10 times, and we've had good in terms of controlling the ball, and it wasn't that we were holding the ball or playing slow. We've just made better decisions, and then we've had games where we have 19 turnovers versus SMU, and I think that's sometimes – you know, one of the signs of a, of, a, of a younger or less experienced team. But we're getting there, and I, I can tell you one thing. We can't turn it over 19 times and have a chance to even be in the game on Saturday night. So in terms of confidence, I know we're going to work the next two days, as we do all the time, preparing and understanding how important it is, ball security, taking care of the ball, every pass, every catch. This is the best team in the country at taking the ball from you, steals, rebounds, loose balls. They're as good as anyone. So it's going to be an emphasis, but in the end of the day, we have to go out Saturday night and do it and take care of the basketball and do it versus an elite defensive and rebounding team. With four games left, any chance we see Jabon make a return, or is it still kind of week to week? I, I think it's week to week. We actually talked about that. It's you know it's week to week, day to day. He, he's now four weeks into his his rehab. He's on the court working. As far as what that means leading down the stretch in these last, I mean, obviously we have a really four games in a short time span coming up right now, and and we're going to be on the road uh, for for two of them, and then you head to the conference tournament. So. It's still an unknown, uh, but he is doing well, man. He is bringing so much great leadership to this team on the bench and in the locker room, and we're just keeping our focus with that right now. Do you have it? Michael Schwartz previewing the matchup again. 8 o'clock tip-off. It'll be on ESPN2 on Saturday night. If you can't make it to Minji's Coliseum, it will be a national broadcast. The Pirates have won just four Games. I'm trying to go to Tom Brady here. Four games all time against AP ranked foes. Uh, one of those came over the Houston Cougars in their last trip to Minji's Coliseum during the 2020 2021 season. 
as uh, it happened during the COVID year. So nobody was there to see it, really. Uh, even I was there because I was on vacation with the wife. Uh, Joe Dooley's squad got, I believe, a nine or 10 point victory over Kelvin Sampson's team. That was the last time Houston visited ECU. So I'm sure Kelvin Sampson, even though it's basically two completely different teams, is going to be reminding his guys of that game. The last time ECU played Houston on the road, it was an absolute bloodbath. I think they remembered that game and they made sure uh, to remind the Pirates that uh, the Cougars are still on top. But hey, it's college sports. Anything can happen. Hit some shots, and really, that to me, that's what this comes down to. Houston, they're they're an elite defensive team, and ECU is not going to get anything easy in this basketball game. They're going to have to hit a lot of test shots during this contest, and really just have the night of their lives, and hope that Houston makes some uncharacteristic mistakes to hang around, get the crowd in it, and maybe something crazy can happen. Um, yeah, there's no chance ECU goes on the road and beats Houston, but I think in Menji's Coliseum, there's a, a very small chance, and Pirate Nation can be a part of that on Saturday night. Of course, the players got to execute and make the plays to make it a even potential reality. All right, let's talk baseball before we get out of here. Again, we sit here at 2.12 on Thursday afternoon. We still don't have an official announcement. I haven't gotten a text back on the status of Saturday's game. It looks like it's going to rain most of that day. Uh, it's scheduled for two o'clock first pitch. So as of right now, the Pirates are scheduled to host North Carolina in a three-game series. Friday's first pitch set for five p.m. from Clark Leclerc Stadium. Saturday set for two, and then Sunday in Chapel Hill at number twelve North Carolina is scheduled for a one o'clock first pitch. So. We'll see if they can find a way to get Saturday's game in, if they move it around. Uh, again, we've heard multiple scenarios. We'll see what happens. But a, a crucial weekend for both, uh, you know, as far as early season series go, and I said it earlier on the, the baseball podcast this week, this isn't going to make or break ECU season. But this could be one that if you win this series and North Carolina goes on to have the type of year it can have and ECU goes on to have the type of year it can have, this could be one of those – series that you look back at the end of the season and can help decide, you know, potential seeding, host sites, um, that sort of stuff. So this is a crucial, crucial game, a crucial series, and hopefully they can find a way to get all three in. And even if they get two in, I think uh, that would be, uh, you know, I think they're obviously going to get two in, but it's better than playing just two midweek games. At least you're getting two weekend games, and hopefully they can find a way to get all three you look at North Carolina thus far, they, they had lost the season opener in surprising fashion to Seton Hall, but since then have reeled off four in a row. They have been pretty dominant since that season opening loss. They have hit five home runs as a team and have knocked in 43 runs. Uh, Patrick Alvarez, one of their top hitters, but the name to know, Vance Honeycutt, probably going to be a first-round pick in the – uh, Major League Baseball draft next year. Great center fielder, can hit for power, can run, can steal bases, has a good eye at the plate. He hits at the top of the UNC order. You don't want him to beat you. Uh, and Alberto Asuna, I believe, is one of their other big sluggers who just returned to action this week. So it looks like he'll be back in in the middle of the UNC lineup for this weekend series. So they can hit the ball of the ballpark if you make a mistake. You know, they aren't the best hitting UNC team we've ever seen. And then on the mound, the biggest thing to know is 
Max Carlson is their ace. Big right. He throws hard. Uh, didn't have the best season opener, but I expect him to be on his game on Friday. Will Sandy, the lefty, will likely start one of the weekend games. And then I believe Connor Bovair started last Sunday's game, and I would expect him to start as well. We don't have rotations yet. Uh, most likely will be Carter Spivey on Friday for ECU as long as he feels good. Coming off last week's uh, weird outing where he warmed up Friday and then through Saturday. And then Trey Savage on Saturday, if there is a Saturday game. And then Josh Gross on Sunday. So uh, Scott points out it'll be the homecoming for UNC freshman Matthew Mateus. Yep, the former DH Conley. Viking is a UNC Tar Heel. Thus far this season, he's pitched in two games, one and a third innings, three strikeouts, two walks. Maybe he'll square off with former Conley teammate Dixon Williams, who I believe is two for two first two collegiate bats. So it should be a great weekend. Friday should be awesome. The weather looks great. I expect the crowd to be great. Uh, again, we'll keep you posted on any schedule changes. I know we've got a ton of questions, uh, but until we hear something final, there's really not too much we can offer. So big weekend ahead for EC Athletics. Again, softball also in action. Shane Winkler's team is off to a very strong start, an 8-2 and two start. They've won six in a row this weekend. Uh, starting today against Bucknell and then Radford, St. Francis. So some more winnable games ahead for the softball team. Uh, good opportunity for them to add to their early season win total. So get out to the Pirate Athletic Complex. Plenty going on, and maybe come Monday night, we'll have a whole bunch of ECU wins to predict. I did predict a 2-2 two and two week with a loss at Campbell. So as long as the Pirates still win the series, I think most people are going to be happy and uh, a big opportunity at hand this weekend. All right, this has been the Hoist the Colors podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will talk to you after the series. As always, follow us on our social media pages. Follow us on hoistthecolors.net where we've got live commentary, live updates all weekend long throughout the series, throughout the basketball game, post-game analysis. If you're not a VIP subscriber yet, Jump on board. Spring football is right around the corner. We got plenty of VIP coverage with practice starting then. And we'll continue, of course, to cover baseball, basketball, and recruiting. So, ton going on on hoistacolors.net. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We will talk to you next time. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.